Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Drop your shoulders, take a breath, tune into how you feel, because it's time to stretch. Has motherhood made you feel smaller? Have you stayed quiet about your needs? Learned to kind of put up with things and default to keeping the peace, the show on the road? Friendship stretched, identity stretched, career choice and opportunity stretched. It can be a real time of personal invisibility, which is why I needed visibility and business coach Kate O'Dwyer to join me for this conversation. Kate is an advocate of self-expression and connection. Through her work, she supports clients to feel regulated, resourced and rebellious in their personal and business visibility. I connected with her first earlier this year after releasing my most shared episode of 2023 with Nessa and Anne. From there, we have seen how we share some values, some intentions, and I have absolute respect for what she is doing and how she is using her voice. Her recent conversation with Sheila Shoga on Ready To Be Real was both compassionate and arresting, and I'd encourage you to listen to it also, as this episode, in a sense, dovetails with it, but articulates Kate's work through a different lens. What I admire most of all about Kate, her visibility and her presence, is that she never claims to find this easy. She is the first to express the energetic toll of showing up for yourself. Even the nerves of showing up for this podcast. She is not a woman telling you to fake it until you make it. She is an authentic support telling you that it's hard, but to try your best anyway, because the world needs you to be you in all of your glorious, flawed and beautiful ways right now. Kate, you are so welcome to the Stretch Marks podcast. Yay, thank you for having me. You are here because we've connected on Instagram a few times um, mm-hmm. over topics that we both share very strong feelings about. Um, I think actually the first time we connected was because you had listened to Nessa and Anne's story that mm-hmm. I had on season three and we just talked about the power of that. And then most recently, I was I paid attention to the fact that you were a guest on Sheila Shoga's podcast because of our connections to date. I was like, oh, I really like I'm going to go out of my way now to listen to that one. And oh, my God, it just arrested me. If you listened to the Sheila Shoga episode that I had a few episodes ago, um, I talked to her about that. I have written about the episode in my Sunday stack um, my stretch marks uh, Sunday stretch newsletter. I I'm fangirling at this point. <laughs> and I was like, you have to come on. I have to have a conversation with you. I just think you are fascinating. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. I'm receiving all of that with a grateful heart. Yeah. Thank you so much. I knew I had a sense you would, uh, you might invite me on to talk to you. And of course, my reaction is, even though I'm a visibility coach, oh God, scary, but I'll do it. So um, that's all. And that's why I like to have the conversations around visibility as well. It's like, let's peel back the layers and just be honest about the vulnerability of being visible and taking up space, even as a visibility coach, that actually it's still stretchy for me. So I was excited to get the invitation, but also it brought up nerves too. <laughs> and that's what I think I connect. That's why I think I connect with you in that coaching space. I find now I can't even names won't even come to mind, but in general, I see a lot of like, I'm so confident you should be too. And it's like, oh, 
you come about being like, let's all try and be more visible and use our visibility for what drives our purpose and our mission and our values. And also I struggle with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think so. And I, I struggle with the, I struggle with being part of the coaching industry and in that just show up and live your best life. I think it's an immature kind of industry at times. Like it's like, it lacks nuance. Um, we're complex. There's so many gray areas and that are, we've been fed such a narrow version of visibility. It's generally male. It's generally white. It's generally confident. And none of us can connect with that. So what we're doing in our visibility and in your work in like being as honest and vulnerable as you are is like reimagining visibility so that all of us can be part of it and redefining what visibility looks and feels like. So actually, I get to be visible and still say I'm actually really nervous and my, my, my chest is fluttering right now. But I also know I have something really valuable to offer. So whether I'm speaking loudly or quietly or nervously or kind of with slight reticence, I still have something massive to offer and to contribute to society, to this conversation and to the world. And that's what I want to kind of create with my clients and with you, that we all have something to offer, but we just show up differently and in, and with different faces and different accents and different ways of doing it. But equally, it's all so important. So it's reimagining visibility, just like kind of reimagining motherhood when we become mothers. We have to do that too. And that's what I'm connecting with with you, what you said there about it's, realizing that we have a contribution to make and it is valuable instead of I think there's there's too much in that visibility sense of like oh you just have to show off about yourself or you have to you know you have to always be the number one and you have to be dominant and you have to know everything I hate that have yeah. you so sure and know everything I love when someone says I actually don't know the answer to that can I come back to you but imagine leaders said that and is it what does it mean to you personally? Like when you say, no, I'm I'm working on my visibility or I encourage myself or I, I want to make myself feel safe to be visible. What does that really mean internally for you? Oh, like like full blown self-expression. It means like liberation and freedom, like it means freedom to really just be myself. And that sounds such like an easy thing to do. And it's actually like it's the hardest thing to do when you've been conditioned to be nice and be compliant and be good and be this and be that like it's exhausting the messaging we've received culturally personally in our families around maybe where we are in the family to actually peel back and discover who you are and who you get to be so visibility for me is like full-blown self-expression and that's messy and that's imperfect and that's loud and it's quiet and it's vulnerable and it's feckin' wild and it's rebellious. It's lots of, like, it's it's complex. So many different things. So to hold the complexity of my humanity and to be able to share that with the world, like, I think that's, a, I actually do think it's our greatest gift. If we show ourselves, like, your, your newsletter, your podcast, that contribution you're making. Like that is the greatest gift you can give right now because you are platforming other people. You're creating conversations. If all of us were able to actually express ourselves, it's always for the good. Well, for the people I work with, obviously, like, you know, like people I'm connected with. And yet after still doing this for as long as I have. There is never a moment where there isn't a very loud voice in my head mm. that says, what the fuck are you doing? Like, like a very consistent companion. I wouldn't say friend, no. but companion that rungs alongside that says, this work is a waste of time. Mm. Where is this work bringing you? Does anybody really need it? Does it matter? There's a thousand podcasts out there. What's what's so necessary about this one? Is it? And yet you still do it. You know, you feel like, well, you're you're you've been doing it a, a while now. You know, you've built an audience. It's going well. There's recognition for your work. Like you're 
you're surely you're there now. Is that not is that not where you wanted to be? Yeah. And actually, the voice in my head is more is louder now than ever. And what do what would you what do you put that down to? Are there things going on that you actually do you feel that's a cultural kind of messaging that's coming up, or do you feel it's kind of your personal life or incapacity? Are you in a, st- a state of dysregulation a lot? Where oh god, uh, yeah. Yeah. So when we're dysregulated, that's like, and, and again, going back to early stages of motherhood and early stages of visibility, not even early stages of visibility with you, but just visibility as a practice. When we are dysregulated, that critical voice is going to be so loud. That imposter syndrome is so loud. That sense of doubting my capacity, doubting my capabilities, questioning, is this worth it? Like what I would say is come back into your body and just go, where am I right now? without your state creates the story and that's why like why the nervous system work is so powerful at the moment coming back into without going into the story too much around where you are right now coming back into a body and going where am i right now when here my nervous system is on fire right now as it no doubt is for us all exactly it is a very dysregulating place to be right now. The world, um, so visibility, visibility on top of that, or any kind of sense of putting yourself out on top of a dysregulated nervous system, is really hard work. It's exhausting. All of this is capacity. Do I have capacity to actually go and give my time and energy, um, to that to, to that right now? If I'm not getting paid, and I think one of the first things when our capacity is depleted. And we don't have, and I noticed it myself, like when I first became a mum as well, like my capacity for visibility was not there, like, because it's the last thing to put yourself out there and express and share yourself and share your words and your wisdom. If you don't have the energy for it, it is the first thing to go. And like, and I think what I'm hearing for you, it's like, I have to be really intentional around my visibility. Mm. It's not about just scatter gunning it around the place in the hope that something lands. It's like, no, like, what is the strat? Like, what is the intentionality? What is the purpose behind this visibility? What's this driving forward in terms of my vision, my goals, or my revenue? That's okay too. I have to live. I have to survive. Mm. Um. So I think purposeful visibility is a really important that we bring it back to that because when it's kind of vacuous visibility in a sense of like I have to be on all the time, I have to perform. It's like rooted in privilege as well. Mm. It's the privilege, like that. Yeah. Just, just show up. Just be consistent. Well, no, I have to go to work no. today. Yeah, I don't have childcare today. Actually, I'm yeah. suffering from depression, postnatal depression. Actually, my husband isn't well. I don't have the capacity to just show up. So what we have to do is maybe like, again, look at visibility in a broader seasonal kind of way. I have seasons of visibility in my life or in my year. Sometimes I'm in summer when I'm launching something or when, I, or when I'm being called into something because the world calls me into it. But sometimes there's feck in winter because I need mm. to rest and I need to come back to myself and I need to resource myself and replenish before I go back out there and share myself with the world. So it's cyclical it's, and it's seasonal and allowing yourself the rest times and trusting in the rest as well. But actually, you know, you won't go broke. <laughs> I want to explore this with you from a lens of motherhood because... Mm. I feel like it is one of the greatest um, personality adjustments, identity adjustments and visibility adjustments. Like I went from, and I'm sure many like me, went from, I was visible in my life. I was, you know, I was present in work and I looked a certain way because I had autonomy over that. And I would attend as many social events as I chose to because I had autonomy over that. And I would be who I wanted to be because I had the energy and the autonomy over that. And motherhood arrives and you are, you're, you're shaken. You, you know, the, the parts of you, like if you're a jigsaw, there's, you're, you're put back in the box and it's given a good rattle and then it's poured out onto the table again. Mm. And I feel six years in, I, I've put the pieces together now. They're not all in the right order, but I've put the pieces together and I actually, I prefer what the picture looks like now. I actually love what the picture looks like now, but that was a process to get there. Mm. And I do feel like my visibility, comfort or attention, maybe I'm giving to it, Mm. has, has grown 
while those pieces are being put back together. But in the beginning, you shrink in all ways. Maybe, maybe not my waistline, but uh, you know, what, what, what is happening to us and why is it so natural and normal maybe for us to feel like we have to go in? Yeah. Gosh, like, I, do, I, do I have the answer to that? Like, I would love to say I actually have an answer to it, but like my, my experience of motherhood and visibility is mine and yours is yours. Mm. What I can offer in terms of my own experience is that it's like really trying to discover a new relationship with yourself in your visibility and in your motherhood. So it's redefining. I think there's a lot of similarities in the work around visibility and the work around motherhood and meeting yourself in the two places. And what comes up a lot of the time are perfectionism in both of them. Mm -hmm. Like this fantasy notion of what motherhood should look like and what my visibility should look like. I should look like I know everything. I look perfect. I sound perfect. And I look like that other person online. I should look Mm -hmm. like that mom who has everything, who looks like that, who does this, who looks like she has it all together. So they're rooted in these kind of comparison and perfectionism. And what I would say is like, this is a hate, and I, I always come back to like, we are not the visibility problem. We're not the motherhood problem. It's like there's this kind of there's systemic and cultural conditioning around our visibility and our motherhood. It's, it's like, whose rules am I playing here that I feel I have to be? This is the patriarchal model of visibility that it has to be consistent and linear and perfect. And this is the patriarchal model of motherhood, that it has to be perfect and selfless and um, like all consuming. And that my purpose is found in motherhood. Like I find motherhood deeply boring at times, a lot of it. And like no one really said that. Um, And my purpose isn't it totally in being a mother. My purpose is in actually my work as well. Mm -hmm. So like peeling back the layers of like, hold on, if I'm not playing to the rule, and like, if I'm not playing to the rules of the visibility model, the patriarchal model of visibility, or the patriarchal model of motherhood, whose rules can I play by? How can I redefine it that it works for me? How can I redefine motherhood and my visibility, even how can they meet each other, that I can reclaim the parts of myself that I've been conditioned to reject and think Mm -hmm. isn't enough? And think because because both of those models make us feel never enough ever. We're never enough. And is that around being able to ask for what we need? Ask for what we need, that we're doing enough for our kids, that they're getting enough. That whole sense of I like kind of slightly failing at this. I'm slightly failing at this as well. It's like fuck that. Like these rules are made up. Like. Like the system was like if the system was designed that we constantly doubt ourselves, that we constantly don't feel enough, then I say, let's create a new system for visibility, a new model for visibility in motherhood. Like let's redefine this. Like, so do you know what? I don't deal with mother's guilt because I've decided that actually, excuse my French, I have a sign there. Fuck it. Like like so I feel discomfort in my body when I know Ned has been in the crash a little bit longer and I meet that discomfort and I hold that discomfort but I'm not willing to actually put the word guilt on it and hold that then for the rest of the day because you know what that doesn't benefit me or Ned so I hold the discomfort I meet it I actually inquire is there something I could do here and then I realize no I have to work he has to stay there a little bit longer today so it's like again kind of curiously engaging with the parts of motherhood that we think we should be better at or should look a different way and then kind of seeing can I redefine it in a way that works for me and it's just more a compassionate way of being no sorry I think I have I waffled there no <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering and I know as you said as you pointed out it's it's so unique and it's personal right but as a coach mm. you meet you meet a lot of people yeah. um and I'm wondering like if you are feeling disconnected and lost mm-hmm. like it's not a case of like no I know who I am but I just don't have the confidence yet to be visible this is a this is like layers below that in that I can't even reach my visibility we're not yeah. talking about parading on social we're talking about showing up in your you life see. as you said in your most authentic way mm-hmm. if that's because you don't you don't even know who you are right now how do you connect to her? 
And I'm so glad you brought that up because visibility work isn't social media. Visibility mm. work is actually like is deeply seeing yourself, being able to see yourself and see and hold those tender parts that actually you'd rather maybe reject or disassociate from because they're so uncomfortable or because they're so perhaps shamed or or unfamiliar. You're like, who am I even now, now that I've had this baby or in these tender years? And that's a really, like, that's a deep piece of work of just deep compassion, of nearly mothering, as you're mothering the child, you have to mother yourself. Like you have to mother those parts of you that just, that feel unfamiliar that, and, and holding them tenderly. Um, and going as gentle as the most reluctant part of you and your nervous system right now. But it's deep, tender work to to meet yourself where you are with unconditional positive regard, like with unconditional love, like the way you're meeting your child. It's like you nearly have to kind of go reflect that on yourself as well. Why do we destroy ourselves? So easily. We just... Like we, it's it's now it's now flippant in culture to just be like, oh, you know, put yourself higher on the list, and you know, if if you had to name three people you love, would you be on the list, and and that kind of stuff. Like we 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 kind of talk about it now as though it's like, well, yeah, of course, of course you can't, of course you don't, but I don't know why we don't. I don't know why we can so easily bash ourselves and decide to have a kind of thought pattern that is so internally negative but you know what I think if I don't know if you're deciding to have it are you really deciding to have it because like it sounds nearly like that kind of self-harm or self-sabotage like Mm. I like I was I did a lot of self-sabotage in my 20s but actually what I realized was it was like actually my nervousness anything that felt nourishing and nice felt so unfamiliar and felt so unsafe that actually a lot of the time not loving ourselves, the critical voice, being shitty to ourselves, feels safer than actually being nourishing and being kind. Because we are nervous systems, we have spent so long in that, in that kind of pattern of being that the other, are you joking me? Like actually being loving towards myself and liking myself? No, I'll stick with the other because it feels familiar. So what we desire and what we want often feels really scary to us. So we naturally... We naturally would choose a familiar hell yeah, over an unfamiliar heaven. Oh, yeah. God, beautifully put. Yeah. But I, I, I do. Again, I want like that whole it's like the thing. Just get out of your own way and it'll all yeah. happen. Yeah. You know, like give me a break. Like, you know, it's not about getting out of our own way. It's meeting the part of yourself that actually finds it easier to to be critical than to be compassionate and recognizing that actually I get to repattern my nervous system. I get to repattern this belief by that one little gentle embodied moment of letting myself be imperfect or that one little gentle moment of being kind to myself. So it's not waiting for this massive transformation where all of a sudden I get to be a new person. It's a practice. Courage is a practice. Compassion is a practice. Visibility is a practice. And for me at the moment, activism is a practice. So that means it gets to be like messy and like, you know, it's it's a journey. It's not about I'm going to be somewhere and all of a sudden I'm going to love myself and all those thoughts are going to go away. I'm just going to meet them differently by gently allowing myself embodied experiences of the thing that I want but feels bloody scary. And to understand that it's the it's the undoing of a lifetime of the nudges that led you to here. Instead of one, like one new thought, and it's like, oh, brilliant! I have fixed thirty-nine years of self-deprecation. Yeah, yeah, and it's less fixing ourselves, and it's mm. more about meeting ourselves because you're not someone. I'm not. I'm not to be. Fi- I'm not a project. And I think again, that's like the coaching kind of world might kind of you know feed on that that like actually we're we're things to be fixed and there's a constant and I'm like none of us need to be fixed if anything needs to be fixed it's the system like it's capitalism it's like it is patriarchy so it is let's fix the world together while actually meeting each other like like let's fix the systems that have us constantly like shaming like coming from a place of being shamed or doubting ourselves like as I shared in Sheila's like visibility or the podcast like of course attention and um 
attention is wrapped up in shame. Like mm. shame puts us into freeze mode. I was in freeze mode for my twenties. I was in self sabotage for my twenties because I was my nervous system was so rattled. So it's not about like yeah, it's just, just meeting yourself where you're at, but understanding it through the lens of your body rather than actually fixing yourself. Your body thinks it's protecting you. Your body's always working for you. We've just got to repattern it so it's a way that actually feels freer. What are some of the ways that you do that for you? You know, what I was amazed when I was doing the somatic course was how, like, how simple the practices are, but, like, profound. Like, even, like, so, no, and I think this is on Instagram a lot, and, and this is good, <laughs> but, like, the, noticing those glimmers, like, those moments of embodied experiences in your day, like, noticing the sun on your, so, like, there's glimmers are these moments of embodied experiences that are in your day, nourishing experiences. Now, you don't have to look for them. They're there. We just have to get present to them. So, what I do is, like, just being present to the sun on my face and for a moment receiving it. Like a lot of visibility work is actually learning how to receive, receive rest, receive support, receive the compliments, Sinead, of everybody saying your podcast is amazing. Like <laughs> letting that actually marinate and nourish you in a way that actually leads to an expansion rather than actually a contraction. Yeah, contraction. But it, but it does. Yeah. Yeah, com- yeah, compliments contract me. Yeah, mm. and and that's perfectly okay because that's mm. the practice. Discomfort is the practice. It won't always like feel uncomfortable, but even the fact that you notice that it's like okay, great. But actually, being with the discomfort rather than saying, "What do they know?" <laughs> you know, usually we we can be so hard. we can kind of like dismiss the person of like, "Oh, well, they just think that because." Mm-hmm. Like, so so sit with the discomfort rather than going into the story as to why they're wrong. Because the discomfort difficult. is... It's um, so difficult. Like those tiny, like even just now, like in that second, I'm listening to you and I've tried to do it yeah. and I can feel a physical resistance. Yeah. Like a really strong physical resistance. Mm-hmm. It's... I that and just again it brings me back to like why have we learned to do that but that's the body's reaction it's like like when did when did attention when did compliments not feel safe in some way so so I think it's like important to say like we know logically we know we're safe logically you know you're safe in this moment and I can say something to you but for some reason actually it doesn't it doesn't somatically feel safe for you to receive that compliment it feels safer probably for you mate or perhaps to to kind of disassociate or or push it away would that be right is it is it related to trust trust yeah well for you for you it could be related to trust trusting actually like so say more like trusting that they mean it yeah i suppose it's more when i it's not that I question necessarily accepting what they've said. Hmm. It's that I just deeply don't trust what they've said. Hmm. So it's not me batting it back and saying, oh, they said that because like, but, you know, it's it's me feeling like, well, that's a lie. Hmm. What would it be like if you could trust it, do you think? What might it be like if if you were able to trust everything that they were that, that we were saying in terms vulnerable, of vulnerable, deeply vulnerable. So good, yeah. Deeply vulnerable. If I was to go around trusting things that everybody said, I would be naive. I would be gullible. I would believe something that I would later discover was not true. I my reality would be harmed because I would be living in a reality that flips so yeah and what's so beautiful about you said what's so kind of pertinent to what you said there is vulnerable because receiving is open when you're you have to be open to receive and being open is vulnerable so when we're not receiving we're protecting we're holding we're controlling which I do particularly like controlling (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and I look I think I think many of us I don't think I'm unusual in that respect but I think that there is um 
there's, I think it's probably since I've become a mother that I am more, I'm in a, I'm in a consistent zone of protectiveness. Of you or of them? Of both. I think as well as mothers, there is a tendency, and of course it is so culturally programmed into us, that we are to somehow have the answers, to know it all, to be able to be that mother. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Who can have it all together to be that woman who has it all together. And actually the the action, the decision to be vulnerable and to ask for help can diminish what it is that we're supposed to lie to the world about ourselves. Exactly. And that comes back to actually create that model that we're meant to live up to, but that leaves us all feeling isolated and alone and not good enough. It's like, I have to have it all together. And this kind of selfless woman, like, good luck, selfless, like losing yourself in it. Like, no, like, I am absolutely like committed to Ned and committed to raising a loving, kind, gentle, brilliant boy. But I'm also committed to being a contribution to the world and committed to actually being like having a legacy that is not just Ned, that is more than that. So I can be myself in my motherhood and I can be myself in my contribution and my visibility. But we are redefined. I think the selflessness and the like I, I do think losing yourself is part of it because you're redefining like losing yourself is part of the matrescent journey because you have to rediscover mm. who you are because some, you've gone through the biggest transition in your life but I think that continued sense of loss um is not something that I would want for all of us as women that I would want you to reclaim yourself um in whatever like you beautifully described earlier on that I'm reclaiming and I've put the pieces back together. They look differently, but I love them even more now. But that idealized, fetishized version of motherhood and having it all together. And like I think it's hard when we see, and like nothing against Vogue Williams, okay? But just in sense of like when we are online and we see like Vogue, I'm just using her as an example in terms of like having it all in a way it looks like typically like but recognizing that like all the support she has in the background to live a life like that so it's hard when you are a generation that's online and motherhood is online so visibly um, and then we end up in those comparisons of other moms who actually have massive massive levels of support to live that idealized version of motherhood in some weird way, if it is idealized, I don't know. How much is money related to this? Oh, God, come on. Like, money is related to what happened last. Money is, don't, money is related to all of it. Money is related to crash, being able to work. Like, I am, my life is rooted in privilege. I was able to go back to work after five months and get someone to mind net. I was, I have my mum down the road. I have my mental health. And if I actually wasn't well, I'd be able to go and get a therapist. Like, it's oh, like I'm not ashamed. It's not to be shamed of our privilege, but it's to be totally transparent around it. So it invites others to re- not feel so bad in one way if they're struggling, that we know none of this is coming from a level playing field. But the more transparent we can be around it, we can actually support each other in recognizing the holistic picture of the whole thing. 
and what you're doing around advocating for like the like crash like the whole crash area and actually creating a culture where money that we don't buy our way back into the workforce mm-hmm. like at a loss at a loss at a loss um because I feel like that, it's it's part of that erosion piece as well yeah. like you know we have we have been given an opportunity as a generation of women to to compete equally until a certain point like still until a certain point so it's like yeah you know you still have to you still have to get that great leaving search you still have to get that great degree you can go on now to do your masters you can get into any career you know that you want to pursue and you can earn to and in that earning that becomes attached to your sense of worth and your sense of self. And then it's, oh, brilliant. You know, she's met somebody and they're in love and they're getting married. Oh, brilliant. Or not even married, but, you know, they've met somebody, they're making a life together. She's starting a family and there's like celebration of that. And then on the other side of it, the visibility closes in Mm. because it's, Firstly, I think as well, it's it that moment where everybody begins to only ask about the baby, want to hold the baby, want to visit the baby. Doesn't regard how she's feeling, what she went through. But aren't you lucky to have a healthy baby? Yeah, but I also went through something really, you know, difficult. Mm. Yeah, no, you're aren't you? Aren't you, you? You know, you can't take that lightly now. Yeah, you have to be just grateful now. Mm. Your baby's here. How did the baby sleep? Instead of are you feeling tired? Mm. That that erosion piece begins pretty quickly. And then the and are you going back to work? And the question the question used to be asked from I I feel my take on it. The question used to be asked from a position of is she picking herself and her career over her child? But now I feel like it's being asked from a position of, can, you afford it? can I afford it? Mm. Can I afford to stay home and not have a career, but then not have childcare fees? Or can I afford to go back and pay for childcare and be at a loss? And I mean this in a family unit. I'm not I'm not putting this all on the woman here. I, I hope to God everybody listening shares the cost responsibility of their entire lives with their partner. Yeah. But the question is asked of her as opposed to him, if there is yeah. a him. Mm. And I think that there's there's the big that begins the erosion of there's nothing left for her to feel like her. That's hers. Yeah. Mm. You know, that feels like, well, I'm working towards something and it makes me feel good. It's just kind of now just uh, just a long ending way to to make you feel more tired. Which erodes your, you know, which depletes your energy in terms of, well, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to exercise for myself. I'm going to feel like I have enough financial security and capacity to treat myself. You know, oh, go go away with the girls for a night. Sorry. Like where all of the things that we were then sold maybe 10 years ago, five years ago to like fix the problem of depletion mm. have now been monetized and now exclude the women who need them most. I know. Oh, my God. You just ended like there on that. The key piece for me is like all the things that to monetize to fix the problem where self-care doesn't actually do anything when there's no collective care. We can't have a society, a well, if the well-being of the society is not really put at the forefront, mm. which would mean actually like crash, just like that, that there's um, childcare available that for, for all of us. Um, Regardless of your status of career, Absolutely. Like you, you could be on minimum wage doing a really purposeful that the that society requires you to do and wants you to do and you love doing. Yeah. That shouldn't deny you the opportunity to have childcare. Yeah. 
Yeah. No amount, I always think like no amount of cacao ceremonies is going to actually take away the anxiety of trying to find a crash place or trying to afford a crash place or hearing that you should have put your child's name down after 10 weeks. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> 10 weeks. But I also feel strongly that we need to not we need to include women who don't have paid employment in the opportunity to avail of childcare. Yeah. Because they're going through their own stuff. They might have a parent that needs support. They might have a, like another child that needs additional support. They themselves might be going through their own health or mental health challenges that require them time away from their child to invest within those supports. It's 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 increasingly hard to be visible when you must shrink to meet the, the financial yeah to meet the financial uh, burden that we're living in in 2023 you know absolutely and I, and and to meet the global atrocity like to everything that is going on and as i said visibility will always be one of the first things to go when we are at capacity or when mm. we are depleted mm. and Sinead think about what we need right now in the world we need us like we need me you all these other women that we come in contact with, all these other women that I connect with online, I mean, from an array of cultures and backgrounds to be visible and to reshape societies and communities and government and leadership, because there is a vacuum and things are going in a direction that actually is quite terrifying. Mm. And imagine that actually the loss of all our voices because we actually don't have childcare and we're so exhausted that we don't get to contribute to reshaping and shaping, creating society. Which is what I was going to ask you. Do you get tired? You must get tired. Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. But I'm not that visible. (laughs) Visibility coach. Like, I'm visible at times. Like, visibility, I suppose it isn't about consistency. I am tired. I get really wrecked. Um, But I'm also driven by something that's bigger than myself at the moment. My why is bigger than the I. My why around action, and I'm not even sure how to articulate. Like I just know that our visibility is radical, revolutionary social work right now. I know that actually the more of us that are visible in a way, in a rebellious kind of way, that is like it's beyond the good mother and the good girl and the good woman, in a way that actually really speaks truth to power, in a way that I see you on with Ivan Yates and challenging them. Like I know that's no bother. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that we need that. He hands most of that to me, and I could bat it back pretty easily. <laughs> you're brilliant. You're brilliant. But like that, if I didn't see like the loss for society and for community and for the world, if we are too feckin' exhausted because capitalism and neoliberal policies mean that we are wrecked at home because we can't afford to contribute, feckin' hell, that's scarier to me than being tired. And that's what it is. It's. It's it's moving people away from being able to contribute. Yeah. Like it's it's a tool used like to keep us small. Mm. Yeah. Because if we're small, then we can't have a voice. And if we can't have a voice, then we can't make change. And if we're small, we're disconnected from our own power as well. And we're disconnected from each other. So you kind of go, I'll oh, just kind of, you know, you look for the hit, for, you look for the connection or the sense of like from sh- online shopping or from nothing mm. that's bad. But you're looking for connection in all these other ways. When actually a report came out that we're the loneliest country, like mm-hmm. in Europe, like that's because hyper individualism. Like I have to say, and I'm, just, I'm going to be careful how I phrase this. So in the last month or last since October 7th, it has been the most horrific time, obviously, witnessing what is happening in Gaza. But being, and I'm not someone who's marched up to this point over really anything. And like, mm. But I've been marching with Ned and Jim over the last few Saturdays. And I have never felt the level of grief in terms of being witnessing what's going on. But today, the level of connection with people. The people in my DMs, the people I've had chat conversations with, phone mm. conversations with, people I've hugged on the marches that I've never met. So there's something happens when we move from feeling powerless into actually a collective sense of like, I just have this really hopeful sense of our power when we are moving in a collective, when we are connected. And I know it's awful that it has to be around this absolute, like this genocide, 
But there's some hope in that, that actually if we shape things around actually a collective action and a, a collective care is the word, actually, mm. there's something there that I feel maybe might help us move in a different direction in society and in in Ireland and the world. When I think of that collective care mm. and that collective action mm. and that collective voice and to genuinely move forward with any sort of world mm. that is collectively caring. Mm. And we ask ourselves, what has to change? Mm. In my heart, and I'm not just saying this because I am one, and I'm not just saying this because of... I'm dying to hear what you have to say. <laughs> because of the nature of the podcast. Yeah. I genuinely mean this. It is mothers as leaders. Mm. Because only we know actually how to give collective care to the point that we deny our own, which we're which obviously we're we're like we're trying to trying to get better at that, okay? Yeah. But that is the complete opposite of the current power structures that we witness. That is the complete reverse. Yeah. So I can completely understand how and why it would be convenient to keep this powerful, resilient, like birthing dynamic wild life yeah life giving voice Mm. let's keep her quiet because we know we understand that love and we understand that grief and that pain and it cannot be disconnected from us in the way that I can kind of witness it amongst other political leaders like if if we if we were in charge I have to believe and I do that we would have decisions and societies and communities and care that genuinely was for the collective. Mm, Absolutely. And what I'd add to that is there's this woman I follow online and I really love her work. It's Carrie L. Jarvis, but she had this brilliant thing around leadership because I always find when I talk about leadership with a lot of my clients, it doesn't land. They're so disconnected from that ever being that they're a leader that it nearly, it just feels foreign that like, that like they kind of. Because they think leadership is like corporate man and suit. Leadership looks like Leo Radker or leadership looks like leadership is kind of nearly male and sure. And I'm not talking about Leo in this sense, but just in terms of the, Mm. what we've been fed about what leadership is Mm. so what Kerry was saying one of her posts was actually what we don't need is loads of new leaders do you know what we need loads of collaborators Mm. because that's what will actually get us working now when we're waiting for us because leadership sometimes you're kind of waiting for yourself to feel like a leader and what if Mm -hmm. that what if you never feel like a leader but you can feel like a powerful collaborator right now by ringing your friend and saying what can we do about this Let's collaborate. And in that, you discover your leadership together. So it's not hierarchical leadership, but it's circular. It's collective leadership. So you're not waiting. It doesn't have to be this power structure that we're used to. But let's powerfully collaborate so that we make shit happen. Which is what a community of mothers do. Yeah. Mm. So I, 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 the reason I share this, because I remember that just hit me. I was like, oh, my God, again, it's another coaching thing of like, you know, being a leader, knowing everything, being the guru, being the expert, being sure when it's actually, no, I'm not sure, but I know I care. And I'm going to ring this person and collaborate and see what emerges in that space. And what emerges is always something very, very beyond like what you thought was possible. I'm more afraid of the people who do feel like leaders. Yeah, exactly. Than those that are willing to take courageous action to support the greater good. Yeah. Like that's what I want from people. Just take courageous action if you believe it's the right thing to do. Instead of, no, I'm a leader, so therefore I know. And with leadership, it's like the right way or the wrong way. And it's kind of nearly binary. It's good or bad. And it's all this where, whereas the messy middle is, as you said, it's like courageous action. Courage is a practice. Am I going to stand up for this? Am I going to say something about this? Am I going to actually take an action around this? Am I going to move from hopelessness to action and actually believe that this ripple of action that I'm taking in a huge sea of despair at times can can make a difference with lots of other ripples as well. Which is why it is a stretch because it's a stretch to get there. 
it's a stretch to to trust yourself enough and to feel valuable enough. You know, we're we're always seeing at the moment that sense of um, you know, why well, I'm I'm only one person and sure, like what difference can I make? So it is, it's an identity stretch mm-hmm. to say and to believe yeah. I am valuable, I am important. My action matters. My voice matters. I'm not going to stay small for for convenience. Theirs, not ours. Yeah. I'm going to do what I, but I I have to caveat this. I'm going to do what I believe I can do within the capacity that I have. Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Because I I can't, and I hate everyone that's kind of going on, you know, the, regardless of the topic, okay, whether it is global issues or local issues or personal issues, but a sense of you need to do more all the time. It's like, well, no, maybe actually they they are doing all they can within the capacities that they have. Absolutely. And that is what I remember I was chatting to someone in the DMs and she said, oh, thanks for something I was doing. And I was like, that's because I'm resourced right now. Like I have a very supportive partner and I have one kid. I don't have two or three. So I have the capacity to show up and make a difference. And I'm kind of doing it for you too, because I know you don't right now. So there, I'm really glad, like actually honoring your capacity in terms of your resources and how regulated or fried you are right now. Mm. Can you actually give? Um, So tuning into that and moving from that space. But what I will say in actually believing and beginning to believe that your something matters and your voice matters, having people in your life that are believing mirrors like I have a number of people that I've met through Instagram as well that mm. are believing mirrors in my life. They hold up the mirror to me and really help me see myself as somebody with something powerful to contribute. So it's tuning into those people in your life and beginning to collect those disco balls in your life that are of, of humans that actually can reflect back. Sinead more you have something massive to offer. Like, Tell me about that. Them. What does that mean? What 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 do they do that makes you see yourself? They reflect back what's in me that I just can't see. Like they see in me the things that actually I can't see sometimes, but I feckin' know is there underneath all the conditioning and the shame and the doubt. Because that's the thing. You actually know underneath it all how powerful you are and can be and how brilliant you can and are can be. But actually the doubt and the shame and the conditioning. So the people, the believing mirrors in my life hold up that light that allow that reflect it back so I can see myself. In all my humanity. Is it something they say? Is it something they do? Is it the questions they ask? Is it the statements no, they uh, offer? Is it the compliments they give? Is it the recognition? No, how, do, how, how can we how can we assess? Oh, you're a disco ball. Oh, the way, the way they make you feel. It's it's like how you're nervous. They feel like home. Like, that you, you, like they... And I, I've one friend in particular I'm thinking of, I've only met her in the last kind of few years. And it's like, I know how she sees me. And it's really, really powerful. And it's just how I feel when I'm around her. And it's like, I rang her maybe the second or third day after. We'd never spoken on the phone. And I rang her when the Gaza stuff kicked off. I just cried down the phone because I knew she would get it. I knew she would hold my grief. And then we'd come to a place of like, well, what can we do? What action can we take? So it's really, it's a feeling rather than anything they say. It's it's feeling witnessed and feeling seen for all of who you are. And do you think be- it's easier to find disco balls of humans, which I love, I'm going to use that all the time now. <laughs> um, do you think it's easier to have them be your mirrors if you've met them soon or like that they are like late to your life because maybe there isn't as much of that conditioning and shame and oh you've changed or no that's who you're supposed to be because that's who you were when you were 11 or do you remember that time when you were 14 you kissed the guy and you got completely humiliated like you you're meeting people who you are now and therefore they're reflecting back on you who you are now Mm. Absolutely. And that's interesting that I've only met her in the last few years. Yeah, obviously, I have believing mirrors from when I was a teenager, but that's a that's just a deep, unconditional love. Mm. It's a different kind where I feel there's an energy and a vitality or it's not giddiness, but it's a there's a. It's not like dating, but there's an energy around. Actually, I see you when you see me. 
and let's let's support each other step into that fullest self-expression like, I see your disco I see your disco ball light I want to help you shine it and see your, see your disco ball and I'll raise you yeah, yeah. <laughs> or I'll dance with you under it yeah. come on <laughs> yeah I think it's really interesting because you can assume that visibility work is something that's really up to the individual, mm. like a, a personal effort. But actually, maybe your glow can be brighter if you're surrounded by those that are like amping up your light. Uh, and, you know, the, the thread is collective in this conversation, yeah. really, isn't it? It's that collective visibility. Like I get confidence from what you say. Like I don't, so you don't know, like people tell me, oh my God, like, thanks for sharing about that. I'm like, mm. what? So I always am amazed and reminded that actually my visibility supports others, gives other people permission mm -hmm. to post about that thing, to say about that thing. My visibility and my vulnerability invites them in to be able to connect with me while I am really owning myself, my, like, you know, unconditionally kind of holding myself. That vulnerability allows people to connect while I am. Do, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That's a bigger piece of understanding, really, isn't it? But God, I'm amazed at how so much of the conversation has come back to, well, I'm not amazed, but delighted in the sense, the collective, that yeah. actually so much of the stuff around, even in the individual path of visibility is much harder like it's much easier when you start connecting yourselves with actually other people around you and I find social media has been healing for me in that way I find social media has been healing for me in that way also because I feel like that's where I have met my current disco balls like yeah yeah and, and I don't and yeah and they that they genuinely the women that I have in my life now that I feel reflect back to me who I feel about myself um, or try to feel about myself. Yeah, yeah. Most of them have originated through meaningful connections and conversations that I've either had as as inviting them on as guests. Mm. Like it's a really it's a really bizarre privileged position, which is what goes back to your question. Why don't you why are you still doing it? Actually, this this is this is the main reason I'm still doing it, because if I was to just text, you know, you or somebody else, you know, that I feel is doing inspiring work mm. and is that I'm feeling really, really, you know, powered by. Mm. And I just say, hi, stranger. You don't know me. Do you want to just talk for an hour? <laughs> like <laughs> sorry yeah block I'm like yeah. hi I have this podcast it's doing really well would you like to come on as a guest please and they're like oh wow that looks really interesting yeah okay let's do that and I'm like amazing I get to hang out with this woman yeah and many of them have gone on to become actual friends and that actually to answer your original question mm. is why I am committed to this work because actually they reflect these conversations and who I get to be and what I get to kind of say in this makes me feel and reflect back to me who I am and who I want to be. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. It really is. It's your self-expression in action, isn't it? Mm. In the hope that others don't listen, go on, just shut up. <laughs> and if they do they have lots of others to find no but you know they made it this far if they were thinking that let's be honest <laughs> which is why I am very grateful to have had this opportunity to talk to you I think your work as I said is fascinating because it's moving the dial away from it feeling like you're supposed to be seeking attention versus visibility um, and that visibility isn't actually about being seen all the time like seen in that public sense it's about feeling like you have the power to present your authentic self without dimming your own light and I love what you're doing and I love how you're encouraging people to safely do that and I love how you're showing that it's not always easy to do 
and that it's not some it's not another hustle that we have to figure out. Thank you so much. And I wanted to add to that, that when you're doing that, you're also when you're not dimming your own light, but you're showing up, you're also allowing others to do it mm-hmm. as well. And I think that's the beauty of the visibility work is that my visibility and your visibility gives other people permission and encourages others to be visible as well. And that's that beautiful piece of we don't get to do, we don't have to do this alone. No one was meant to do it alone. And that collective piece is where the power really is. You're some woman. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, wow. I know that conversation is going to help so many. And if you're one of them, I would love you to get in touch with me on DMs on Stretchmarks Podcast, Instagram, or leave a review. Okay. Thank you so much again to my guest, Sinead Butler. Another amazing and beautiful conversation. Now, let's make sure women who need to hear it discover it by sharing it on your socials or with friends and family. And I will talk to you again next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.